Good afternoon. This is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the podcast. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what to call this podcast uh, when I was trying to look for a title to it. It's going to be a mix of a few different things, which is good. It's fine uh, to change things up a little bit. And I was talking to one of the uh, guys on Twitter, and uh, one of my uh, followers there said, uh, hey, how come you don't uh, discuss these movies that you review in a podcast? And I thought about it, and I said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I should start doing um, you know, podcast reviews of movies. I generally like to do them in, in writing because you can put a, a trailer in there as well so people can see what the movie looks like. But uh, what the hell, we'll give this a shot here and see how this see how this goes. So we'll do talk a little bit about movies and also a little bit about a comment that I read from Samuel Johnson about trade and pleasure. Just a, an interesting thing to think about. And then we'll close things up by reading some t- <laughs> some tweets from the G Manifesto's <laughs> Twitter feed. <laughs> and I know people enjoy hearing those or hearing me read those. So we will probe into that. All right. So let's turn here to the movie subjects here. There's, a, I think, four movies that I reviewed in a, um, a post on my site at qcurtius.com that I did yesterday. And um, let's talk a little bit about those here. The first one was a film called The Warning. The Warning, that's the English title from this year, from 2018. And the director is um, Daniel Calparsoro. Assuming I'm pronouncing that right, it's a Spanish name. It's a Spanish film. And, you know, I really enjoy Spanish movies. It seems like the ones that I uh, have seen have all been very, very, very good. You know, in the past uh, 10, 15 years, the film industry there has really, really stepped up its its game and is producing really first-rate dramas, suspense films, action movies, supernatural thrillers, uh, action movies. It's it, They're just really doing a good job over there. A lot of good directors working there. It seems for me anyway that uh, the, the the European countries that seem to turn out the best movies that I've enjoyed again no particular order they're all kind of up, up on the same level I guess but Spain France and in England and the Scandinavian countries those those uh, four regions Spain France England Scandinavian countries I mean generally you know uh, you know Sweden Denmark uh, Norway um Finland, not so much, I, uh, but uh, a lot of good stuff comes out of those those places. Very, very sort of deep, sort of cerebral type movies, which which can be very, very good. So anyway, just just some thoughts. Anyway, getting back to the warning, this this was the best out of the movies that I reviewed from yesterday. Has a a plot that uh, sounds like something that could come from Stephen King. It's a film about the intersection of the two two lives of two different characters. One is a 10-year-old boy who's the victim of uh, school bullying. He enters a gas station and, and finds a note warning him not to come there on a certain day and time or else he'll be killed. And then the director cuts to another character, an older man, who uh, is doing some investigation on this same gas station and he finds out that bad things have happened there at regular cycled intervals in 1976, 1955, 1913 and he comes to believe that this place is cursed 
and he tries to warn people, but of course nobody is listening, and things move from there in a suspenseful way, as you can imagine. So it's a very good movie, very taut, uh, sustained tension throughout, and you really can't ask much more than that for a suspense film like this. So this is a, this is very much worth seeing. And you know, as a, an aside, I don't review all the movies that I see. I see a few of them, you know, every few weeks that are just not, they're so bad, they're not even worth reviewing. But I can't review them all, or I don't want to review them all, because some of them just don't really merit discussion. They're just, there's just nothing there really to talk about. But that's how it is with movies. You have to wade through a lot of really mediocre ones or bad ones to get to the good ones. So, thumbs up on the warning. The Duel here, the next one is called The Duel from 2016, and this is uh, directed by Kieran Darcy Smith. And you know, this was really a letdown for me. I, I, I you know, I, the, 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 the trailer to this looked really good. Uh, you've got a good cast, you've got uh, Woody Harrelson, great actor, you've got uh, Liam Hemsworth, Alice Braga, a uh, Brazilian actress in this movie, but it just, you know, it just doesn't come together. It's really off balance. And I don't know, there's just something not right about this movie. And the general plot here is that you've got a, a Texas Ranger, a soft-spoken Texas Ranger, who rolls into town with his wife to investigate a series of murders along the Rio Grande River. Uh, or just Rio Grande, I'm sorry. Uh, apparently, it looks like people trying to cross the border from Mexico are washing up dead and everyone's trying to figure out what's going on and this guy rolls into town and he quickly finds out this town is controlled by this sort of Colonel Kurtz weird religious fanatic character played by Woody Harrelson in a very over-the-top way and we quickly learn that this guy has got the whole town in his under his thumb with his weird stuff and you know it just it just doesn't ring true you know you've got um I don't know. It just it, it it's got every cliche in it. You've got uh, in Texas, no less. That he tries to the, the director tries to uh, transport these uh, you know marginalized religious uh, customs from from Appalachia there to try to throw that in the mix. And then you've got uh, totally unrealistic scenarios of people hunting hunting other humans for sport. And you've got all this uh, sort of uh, uh, this uh, just you know just very unrealistic scenarios, unrealistic situations, unreal unrealistic scenarios, and it things just don't really gel on this. And the violence is, uh, and again, I have no problem with violence in movies as long as it's serving a purpose to advance the story. But when you feel like it's there's just a lot of gratuitous gore for no reason it's just uh, off-putting so uh you know this is this is just not this is just a misfire this one is not going to uh not going to really be recommended and again it's just an, another another reminder that a great cast can't save a movie you've got to have a good story it's got to be edited well it's got to be told well it's the scenes have to just really uh run together and you've got to have a good story there which brings us to the next 
the next movie is Terminator Salvation from 2009. And I never saw this movie when it first came out, and now I know why. This was just another one of these tired installments in a franchise that shows uh, increasingly its uh, its weariness. It's Again, you've just got the usual bullshit here. Uh, some guy sent back in time to save something or other, and there's a new great Terminator model coming out, and everybody's afraid of it and worried about it, and there's a incipient revolt coming against uh, the the machines that's about to happen, and blah, 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 blah. You know, the usual stuff. The usual stuff we've heard ten times before. But again, the sad part about this movie is that you've got great talent here. You've got Christian Bale. You've got Helena Bonham Carter. Sam Worthington, all great actors in their own right who do top-notch work, uh, fantastic work. But again, the director here treats this just as another paint-by-numbers, soulless uh, movie-making here. Strings together a bunch of car chase scenes, special effects, um, computer animation, and it's just... just, uh, It's the type of movie that should be released to video and marketed to the third world where I'm sure it will do very well when you where you've got audiences audiences who just don't know any better and don't really care about anything more than explosions and and chases so uh, that's just the reality that's just the just the way it is uh, so judge for yourself but I, I um I think the franchise deserved better than than this movie all right and the last one here is Transcendence. Again, a real disappointment here. This was a real disappointment. Transcendence with Johnny Depp from 2014. And the real tragedy here is is not just the cast, because you've got a great cast. You've got Johnny Depp. You've got Morgan Freeman. You've got Rebecca Hall, all great actors, actresses. But you've also got a great plot here, a great concept. You've got a guy on the verge of death who uploads or finds a way to upload his consciousness into a machine and how that consciousness gradually becomes this consuming, grasping for power entity. And it could have been used as a vehicle to convey very important messages about uh, mortality and the limits of power and all sorts of moral issues could have been explored here. But again it's just it just devolves into foolishness you've got this sort of 1984 like computer screen in our faces all the time with johnny depp's voice talking to us in this malevolent demeanor you've got government bureaucrats fumbling around trying to figure out what's going on and you've got really poorly staged action scenes here in the middle of the desert that looked like they were just shot on a shoestring budget. So something happened here. This one just did not come together. And again, it's just movie making here that is just going through the motions. Everybody's reading their lines. Nobody believes anything. Nobody cares. Everybody's just getting paid. And that's about as far as this one goes. And again, nothing wrong with that. I understand uh, artistry sometimes has to take a back seat to practicality. These actors have to get paid. You know, they're they're trying to make a living like everybody else. I get that. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean that we have to praise it. Okay? So, again, other people may think differently. But, hey, listen, I'm the one doing the review here. So if you think differently, let me know. Tell me I'm wrong. Go to the comments section and and, uh, tell me why you disagree. But 
I'm not uh, really going to endorse any of these movies except the first one, which was um, The Warning. Very, very good movie. So that will uh, that will do it for the movie reviews. Let's let's um, let's move on to the next subject that I was that I was talking about here. And what I wanted to do was read a selection here from Boswell's Life of Johnson, which I've done a few times before. But again, I found another great quote here to think about. Nice little snippets of of ideas and thoughts here to think about. But this this uh, is an incident or conversation they had on October twenty sixth of um, seventeen sixty nine, when Johnson was sixty years old. He says, um, on the 26th of October, we dined together at the Mitre Tavern, M-I-T-R-E, which, by the way, still exists in London. I googled it. If it is the same place, it is still there in um, in London, and uh, maybe someday I need to go there. <laughs> if it's still, Assuming it is the same place, it probably is. Anyway, I found fault with foot. The guy names uh, the guy's name here. I found fault with Foot for indulging his talent of ridicule at the expense of his visitors, which I colloquially colloquially termed making fools of his company. Johnson, why, sir, when you go to see Foot, you do not go to see an, a saint. You go to see a man who will be entertained at your house, and then bring you on a public stage, who will entertain you at his house for the very purpose of of bringing you on a public stage, sir. He does not make fools of his company. They whom he exposes to they whom he exposes are fools already. He only brings them <laughs> into action. Talking of trade, Johnson observed, it is a mistaken notion that a vast deal of money is brought into a nation by trade. It is not so. Commodities come from commodities, but trade produces no capital accession of wealth. However, though there should be little profit in money, there is a considerable profit in pleasure, as it gives to one nation the production of another. As we have wines and fruits and many other foreign articles brought to us. Boswell. Yes, sir. And there is a profit in pleasure by its furnishing occupation to such numbers of mankind. Johnson. Why, sir, you cannot call that pleasure to which all are averse, and which none begin but with the hope of leaving off a thing which men dislike before they have tried it and when they have tried it. Boswell. But, sir, the mind must be employed and we grow weary when idle. Johnson. That is, sir, because others being busy, we want company. But if we were all idle, there would be no growing weary. We should all entertain one another. There is indeed this in trade. It gives men an opportunity of improving their situation. If there were no trade... Many who are poor would always remain poor, but no man loves labor for itself. Boswell. Yes, sir. I know a person who does. He is a very laborious judge, and he loves the labor. Johnson. Sir, that is because he loves respect and distinction. Could he have them without labor? He would like them less. He would like it less. Boswell. He tells me he likes it for itself. Why, sir, he fancies so, because he is not accustomed to abstract. So that's Johnson and Boswell's little exchange on the subject of trade, labor, and pleasure. And we can ruminate on that and decide what we think on that and whether we agree with them or not, whether whether 
Uh, no man really, really likes labor for itself or whether he just likes the distinctions that come from it or whether trade gives, uh, gives men an opportunity for advancement. So I think there's a lot of good points to be brought up in that little exchange. Uh, trade, trade is not as beneficial, I think, as people think for its own sake. I think you know, maybe Johnson was probably underestimating how much money is brought into a nation by trade, but it also has redemptive value in itself for raising men up from one station to another. And I think that's a, a very good way of looking at things here. And you know what I what I really like about these little exchanges from from um, Johnson and Boswell. I just love, as I've said before, how these guys would talk to each other in that that 18th century way of spe- speaking. You know, the way they 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 called each other sir. Even friends would call each other sir. It's just very nice. You can almost imagine them sitting around a fire or at a tavern, speaking in this way with each other about all subjects of the day and. You know, that's one of the really nice things about these old books is just you just see how men used to act in the old days, which is very different from now. There was just a lot more openness, I think, and willingness to engage with each other and, and discuss the affairs of the day in a way that people don't really do anymore. So it's it's uh, whether you agree or not with the conclusions is irrelevant. What matters is the setting, the demeanor, and the spirit of the exchange. All right, let me here go to the G Manifesto's Twitter feed here and read some good tweets here for our general relaxation and and amusement. And again, as I've said before many times, you have to see these tweets as uh, sort of a mixture of haiku, poetry, uh, aspirational uh, aspirational motivation, uh, and I think just also the reflective thoughts of a man who is trying to envision and visualize good things, good things and nice images in this world. And we have to respect that. We have to give people their respect. And that's why these tweets are so soothing, so relaxing, so entertaining, and ultimately so uh, life-affirming. Life-affirming. No one really gets this. And as I've said before, this is the meaning of artistry when you can do this when you can convey your idea using repeated motifs, using lush language that resonates with people, and also hammering on certain themes consistently. And I think that really is what makes these, uh, what why I uh, think these tweets are so valuable. All right, here we go. I'm going to start uh, with the most recent and then go back a little bit. From today, most guys just do not have the multiple language mastery and the multiple ocean disciplines <laughs> proficiency required to run a village by the sea like a fiefdom. But when you have both, all the colors of the world will start looking more vibrant. No one talks about this. <laughs> There's a picture, looks like the, uh, the, the, uh, the Venus uh, well, the, the the famous motif in the birth of Aphrodite, who came in on a on a shell, um, surrounded by cherubs. Sort of a up, modern updating on Botticelli's famous painting. Very nice, very nice image there. Uh, before the smoking ban, people always kept their brain synapses sparked. The deep soy takeover could have could never have happened without the smoking ban. 
most people are just not willing to come to terms with this. And there's a picture of Churchill with this famous picture with a Tommy gun. Um, I guess he was with the Home Guard when that was taken. Very, very nice. Um, all right. Here we go. Basque women are 200 to 700 times stronger than the, than the millennial, quote, men of today, even more so before the smoking ban. Most people do not even realize this, but just run the numbers. <laughs> There's a picture of a Basque woman shouldering a heavyweight, looks like a, some sort of ball or heavyweight or a barrel. When a guy can't shut up about internet protocols, you will find that he really is just a pro at swooping two guys named Colin and eating tons of soy and drinks drinks tons of high fructose corn syrup out of plastic cups, which gives him massive amounts of estrogen. True statement. True statement. All right. Most people do not know shit about Basque sports that are practiced in Basque villages by the sea. This is Hari Jezotza, assuming I'm pronouncing that right, or the lifting of heavy stones. Most guys today cannot do something like this. <laughs> too, too much soy. Most guys just <laughs> lift soy into their mouths. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one here. <laughs> Two polar bears tussling. Most, this is from December 14th. Most guys have zero spinal column strength, all hunched over and texting like a complete idiot and missing all that heavenly glory. Especially the guys from Soy, <laughs> Soy York, Los Soygelis, Soylicon Valley, landlocked. Applesby states, judo throw them, zero structural integrity. <laughs> and and the, you know, the picture really makes this one. You've got, you've got uh, uh, two polar bears here squaring off, which is very, very nice. I'm going to retweet that one. I should, should have done that earlier. All right. <laughs> Most guys do not eat enough leafy greens. Most guys are just swooping weesh dudes named Leaf E. Green <laughs> and eating soy instead. I grew up in a jungle in a village by the sea. Grip strength, tendon strength, ligament strength, scapular strength, orangutan strength. <laughs> and there's a picture of an orangutan munching on a leaf, which is just, I don't know, man, I just love these. It's just so, so over the top. Good stuff. Uh, let's see. Let's just go down from December 14th. I really hate these internet influencers. They never punching power, game meets, swoop mass amounts of beautiful girls, toughness to heavy booze and heavy smoke, incredible shape, gardens, running a village by the sea like a fiefdom, oils. All they do is swoop dudes and eat soy, hippo. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you've got a nice transition, sort of an abrupt transition from a stream of thought there to a concrete, tangible image of a hippo. Very nice. All right. 
And you know, I've taken it upon myself as sort of a sport to try to imitate his tweets. And I'm, I think I'm pretty good at it here, if I may say so myself, to the extent where people sometimes can't tell the difference between the, the two tweet styles. But I've got one here. Huge problem with a lot of guys is that they have zero situational awareness. Cannot see what lurks beneath the waters. Not a good way to go through life. This is a picture of this happening. Hippo strength. And there's a picture of a hippo attacking a boat and crushing it. All right, one more here. All right, here we go. Unbelievable. How rare it is to see someone who is incredibly smooth and has fluidity of motion these days. Keep it low profile, fool. Keep it low profile. There's a picture of a leopard sort of gliding through the underbrush there, wherever wherever habitat he, he is in, probably East Africa. So on that note, we will leave it with you and keep it low profile. And until next time, this is Quintus Curtius. Good night.